G'day, I'm Rowan Barker. Welcome to another episode of The Silver Bullet. On this episode of The Silver Bullet, we're talking influencer marketing. Isaiah Worldwide, an American company listed on the NASDAQ, is the global leader in developing influencer marketing technology, data and related services. It's credited with inventing the term influencer marketing. This week, Isaiah made its first foray into the Oceania region, acquiring Huzu, which is considered Australia's leading influencer marketing company. This acquisition marks a crucial milestone for Isaiah's global expansion into the Asia-Pacific region and signifies a new chapter in the ever-evolving creator economy. My guest today is Ryan Schramm, the President and Chief Operating Officer of Isaiah. Ryan will shed light on the acquisition, its implications more broadly for the influencer marketing landscape, and how this represents a stake in the ground for Isaiah's march across the Asia-Pacific. So just before we get started, Ryan, welcome to Sydney. It's great to be here, Rowan. Thanks for having me. So for the those of our listeners not overly familiar with the world of influencer marketing or the creator economy, how do you like to describe it? Well, I, I think it's important to say that, first of all, all of us as humans have influence. We don't all have to be celebrities or athletes necessarily to build a following on various social platforms. So the modern practice of influencer marketing is brands recognizing the power of that word of mouth. You may even say word of mouse in, in the sense of a desktop mm. and being able to do that at tremendous scale with uh, individuals of uh, little celebrity fame all the way up to endurable, uh, real screen celebrity fame and everything in between. And to be able to do that requires uh, a combination of strategy, uh, concept, and to a lesser extent, technology to, to bring it to life. So what are the key advantages that you see for this kind of marketing over traditional marketing advertising, however you want to describe it? There's a few different factors. I think, first of all, the idea of authentic storytelling is probably the number one consensus point that you'll hear from top CMOs as to why they feel this is so powerful. Everyone is telling their own story about a product or a service that is unique to them. And that theater of the mind that comes from authentic storytelling is as compelling as the early days of, of perhaps radio or television. It just happens to now be a lot more democratized with the advent of multiple social platforms and the ability for everyone to have effectively a post-production device in their pocket vis-a-vis their iPhone or an Android device. So now you have this interested universe of individuals who wish to partner with brands that they're passionate about. And now there's also the accessibility there to make it all come to life. Yeah, almost anyone can be a creator, can't they, these days? We hope so. That, that's really the global predication of our business at Isaiah is to really champion those creators, but also serve the brands that wish to partner with them. Really helps with segmenting markets and targeting niche customers too, doesn't it? It does. You know, for myself, I, I, I wish I had hundreds of millions of followers like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't we all? But for, you know, for my audience, they happen to know that I'm really passionate 
about timepieces and Scotch whiskey and college football back in the States. So uh, to that audience size, when I talk about those things, or if uh, any one of those, say, timepiece brands wished to secure me as a micro-influencer to talk about uh, their latest offerings, that authenticity aligns to my organic messages, my organic content creation, not just the things that I do on a sponsored basis. Now, you're in Sydney for the first time in your life, I understand, but you're not just here for fun, are you? What's brought you down under? Well, I have to say this beautiful summer weather sure makes me wish I was here solely on holiday, but no, I am, I'm here today because it's, it's really a dawn uh, of a new day in the creator economy here in APAC. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Isaiah announced that we acquired uh, market leader Huzu, based here in Sydney, uh, as really a principal company for our further growth in the region. So it's been wonderful to spend time with our Huzu team members, our loyal clients, and also other potential acquisition targets in the region who are hearing this news and excited about the broader vision that Isia looks at when we think about the creator economy at a true global scale. This is kind of important, isn't it, really? Because on a global level, you can have your you know mega influencers like the Kardashians. But if you want to sell certain local products into a more niche market, you need those local authentic voices, don't you? No doubt. And in fact, I, I think that uh, one of the things I found really interesting about the Australian market in particular, it's always been a tremendously powerful hub for the trader economy, Rowan. The issue that I saw was that many companies that were not Huzu actually, oddly in my mind, looked beyond its borders and, and set their sights on things perhaps in the UK or the US, which is all fine and good. But the creator economy space here in Australia, Australia alone is a quarter billion dollar market and growing. So it's not just the importance of having local personnel and local creators, which are inherent, I believe, to success. I also believe there's a matter of focus as a market opportunity to say, let's, let's set our sights on this region, this incredible region and maximize that opportunity, maybe zoom out a couple of clicks if we want and involve New Zealand or go a little bit north mm -hmm. up to Singapore. Mm -hmm. But there's so much potential here and such a passionate base of talent that really wants to see a market leader emerge, um, not just regionally, but of course, globally. So can you give us some insights then into the strategic rationale behind Isaiah's acquisition of Huzu and what that might mean for the company's global expansion plans. When we first met the Huzu team, it was actually at the time when Nathan Ruff, one of their co-founders, was in the chair. Um, it really struck me that they had such a balanced approach at how to serve both brands and creators alike. Their business of working with uh, incredible brands, whether it was Bunnings or Emma Sleep or uh, Super Cheap Auto, was based on very thoughtful, strategic, data-driven insights to develop campaigns that stood apart from almost anyone else in the market. In addition to that, they had the awareness to develop a talent representation business also only for creators called Hume that allows them to have a really unique worldview on both sides of the ecosystem 
And uh, that remains differentiated to this day. The current CEO, Natalie Giddings, who will be joining us and leading all of these efforts, comes from a tremendous background in mainstream media and the ad agency world. And her perspective on uh, how we should drive growth is predicated on having these very lasting, durable relationships top to top with Australian chief marketing officers to not just sell the Huzu way, but really help unlock the broader realities of what the creator economy can bring to a modernized brand, which is the content creation, that implied endorsement that comes along, all of the SEO value, and the ability to repurpose that content into all other forms of traditional and non-traditional form, that value, that return on investment uh, is in part why we were so drawn uh, to Huzu and why we believe it's representative of what Isaiah is trying to do in various corners of the world as we look to the future. Yeah, that's there's a symbiosis there, really, isn't there? That that gives you a a higher ROI if you if you can sort of manage both sides of the coin uh, on the one platform. No doubt, and I, I think that the that the most progressive marketers are also realizing that um, integrated marketing is really having a moment again, right? Uh, if, if you think mm. about brand houses, not too long ago, they were actually quite siloed. The folks that were working on PR were perhaps on a very different floor of the building than the folks that were developing the brand or, or mm. doing the social media. Yeah. And it was amazing to us. And we, we saw this not only here in Australia, but in, in countries all around the world that um, as you find uh, younger, more diverse chief marketing officers, they're bringing all of those capacities back together and saying, how do we make these areas truly um, a, more of a woven fabric approach and knowing that influencer marketing has some of the uh, deepest tentacles into all those various capacities of integrated marketing, I think plays lock and key to why marketers find it just so valuable. Yeah, the creator economy's seen pretty remarkable growth in, in recent years. So how did, how's your acquisition of Huzu contribute to your position in, in this evolving landscape and marketplace? When you think about the creator economy, it can, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, Rowan. Uh, certainly, influencer marketing would be very high on that list as a tactic underneath that overarching umbrella. To Isaiah, when we think about it, it's, uh, you know, it also can mean uh, original content creation. It can mean uh, paid precision amplification from a media perspective. Uh, advocacy marketing is a huge area of growth talent representation, all of those things. And what's really interesting is when you stop and you look at whether it's here in Australia, whether it's more broadly in APAC or just uh, in general in the world, the top 100 advertisers are all doubling down on their investments in those various keystones that I just described. Mm. But yet there is not a singular provider of scale that can actually meet their needs uh, and come to them in all the various regions around the world in which they do business. So our vision is that uh, it accepts the hypothesis that in any healthy industry, consolidation is inevitable. But when you marry that with the realities of the creator economy and that 
it is so hyper fragmented here in 2023 around the world. Mm. Uh, we want to lead that process. And we feel like we're in a great position to do that, not only because of the war chest and our public vehicle, which give us a really outsized advantage, but also we're uh, we're not new to this game. Uh, the company turned 17 years old this past right. summer in the US. And I, I think it speaks to the long-term vision that myself, my boss, Ted Murphy, and the rest of us have had at Isaiah in terms of where all this uh, has gone and where it can go into the future. You mentioned fragmentation just now. Is that something you see continuing, amplifying as we go towards 2030? Uh, you know, I, I think that like any other industry, um, it will start to slow down in terms of how fragmented it is. The, the blessing and the curse of the creator economy uh, is something we touched on earlier. When you have the ability to democratize something, it means that everyone can get involved. So part of the reason why the ecosystem is so hyper fragmented is that the barriers to entry are relatively low for upstart companies wanting to get into the space. The challenge, of course, with that is, is that uh, particularly the largest uh, spenders in advertising around the world don't want to take the risk on a fly-by-night operation, mm. and they want services or technology innovations that require uh, a good amount of capital and a tremendous amount of patience and experience to be able to bring to bear. And that's really what Isaiah is representative of and why we can then have the luxury, uh, quite frankly, of having conversations uh, in various corners, including those here in Australia, to identify like-minded companies that help us achieve that mission. Yeah, so on that, jumping back to Huzu, they've got a great reputation for brand credibility and equity in Australia. That's pretty impressive. So how is Isaiah going to leverage those attributes to enhance your services and offerings here and perhaps elsewhere? That's that's a great question. And ultimately, uh, I think the first answer is we're going to do everything in our power not to screw up all the great things <laughs> Natalie Giddings and her team have built here. Yep. And yeah. I say that uh, as a proud American, but there's been plenty of American and non-American companies that come into a market like Sydney <laughs> and said, oh, that's all great uh, that what you've built, we're just going to slap our name on your door and tell you how we do business on the other side of the world. And that's yeah. how it's going to be moving forward. I just think that's both arrogant and ignorant. The localization and the, the, the focus that we had on, on this acquisition really being what I would call triple accretive. Yes, we're drawn to the client base and the revenue that comes from it. Yes, we believe that the market opportunity is ripe, like we, what we've talked about here in this conversation. But the third part is the foundation that's been built, the workplace culture, the personnel that are here on the ground, they know what's best for Aussie marketers, not some guy like me from the US coming in to you know, tell them how things work in, in, in my corner of the world. So we're trying to be very, very thoughtful in saying, where are the places where Isaiah can add value? One of the most obvious is our ability to uh, bring together our client bases from all the various corners of the world where we currently have personnel and figure out if we can serve our clients better. Secondarily, it's to use our capital and our equity to be able to uh, drive that inorganic growth that we think is really valuable. And then in the case where it's more of a build versus buy opportunity, we can invest in Huzu 
to expand the type of capabilities that they offer to their clients in the broader APAC region. So I, I, by no means do I think it's rocket science, but like anything else, Rowan, you know, in, in business, it's all about execution and about really understanding how you can best serve leading brands. And I, I gotta tell you, there's nothing harder sometimes than marketing to a marketer. There's a no BS factor that <laughs> yeah. comes with that, right? It's and tricky, so isn't it? Yeah. A big part of this is, is talking sensibly and, and staying uh, really dead focused on how does this bring value and how does it differentiate to escape that sea of sameness effect that can happen? Yeah, you mentioned uh, it's not just about Australia. It is about, you know, giving you a foothold in APAC. So where you can, can you share some of the specific strategies or initiatives that you have in mind perhaps to further expand in these markets? I'd be happy to. Uh, it actually, it, it's best to look backwards and I'll, and then I'll look forwards for you. So at the end of 2020, we saw that there was an opportunity to uh, develop new markets for ISEA by actually putting and recruiting our own personnel on the ground in certain parts of Asia because we saw that there wasn't a, a differentiated solution like what we do in mm-hmm. some of those regions. So you know, flash forward to today, we now have personnel that we've learned a, a heck of a lot from in markets like Shanghai and Shenzhen and Beijing in China. We have a, a, a new client partner lead in, in Seoul, South Korea. And that's helped us understand more about not only the business climate and the market fit, but also, uh, frankly, the cultures of business that while there may be some underpinnings that are common around the world, it's uh, it's to be expected that there are uh, different uh, eccentricities and nuances in, in any place you do business uh, in this in this giant globe that we all uh, habitate in. And so that really helped us understand, okay, how could we then take uh, some of the things that we've learned from those investments and have it inform what we may do in an acquisition scenario? Uh, that led us primarily and initially here to Australia just because of all of the different ingredients that I mentioned before, just how robust mm. the creator community is here on both the marketer and creator sides of the equation. It was natural to start here in, in our mind's eye. But uh, when you look uh, you know, a little bit to the east and a little bit to the north, uh, the same can very much be said about New Zealand. The, the, the uh, ecosystem in Auckland is something that we're, we're studying very aggressively. Uh, and then up in Singapore, it's, it's arguably one of the fastest growing hubs for the creator economy. That's also to say that there's plenty of, of great activity in Manila and the Philippines and also to the, to the Northwest, looking, of course, to India. So for us, when we think about APAC, it's the fusion of the things that we put in place already through that emerging markets effort, uh, as well as what we may choose to do from an inorganic growth perspective with further acquisitions in those markets. Yeah, you used a key word in there for me and then running through those different countries, the, the nuance is the word that you used. If you get the nuance wrong, you're not going to be successful, are you? I mean, you mentioned the Philippines, Singapore, India, South Korea. They're completely different markets with different tastes, different expectations. So having local representation, especially in the creator market, that's going to be critical to future success, I guess. 
it's it's table stakes from from my perspective. There's no other way to do it. You can't just uh, ship personnel from uh, a market like Sydney and expect them to thrive in a market like Mumbai. That's just irrational. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but sadly, I think a lot of businesses try to do that because uh, they they think it's the shortcut of being able to get revenue in the door and then uh, apologize for mistakes that you might make. What, what I've gleaned uh, from my career in advertising in that when you're marketing to marketers, you have one chance and one chance only yeah. to make that impression and let it be known that you understand that there are important differences and you should celebrate those differences and equip yourself as an organization that if you're going to be a true thought leader, you have to be able to acknowledge that going in or you're going to fall short. Yeah, that's the old truism, isn't it? You only get one chance to make a first impression. And if you get that wrong, then you can spend years trying to undo the damage that you've done. If you're fortunate, typically you're going to get that chance. Exactly. So the Who's You acquisition includes Hume, which you mentioned earlier. So that's the talent agency focusing on Australian influencers and creators. How does that division look like contributing to Isaiah's overall ecosystem and the broader creator economy? We're very bullish on the talent representation space for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that um, as the number of creators grow, uh, it just increases the opportunity to bring those individuals more deal flow. And when you happen to have a, uh, a master enterprise that one side of the business creates deal flow and the other side of the business represents talent, there is a natural fit that comes about just in terms of being able to give more creators, more opportunities, let alone uh, opportunities that may come to you uh, as a result of um, some outbound interest that you didn't even know was going to be there in the first place. Mm. So um, when you think about the creator communities in Australia in particular, there is a desire to have uh, more creators would like more representation, but there there is a uh, historical issue that agents are very ill-equipped to mm. work in the creator economy because it is still a very campaign-oriented business. Uh, when you think about the major talent agencies, be it WME or CAA or UTA, uh, uh, you, you have the same uh, challenge that they would, they'd rather sell a multi-year product endorsement deal. Mm. Um, and the agents are very well skilled at doing that. But in the creator economy, while ambassadorships are, are, are thriving, the dynamics, the negotiation, the understanding of how to structure a deal are wildly different. So to the extent to which we can double down on that space and provide a solution for creators and marketers alike, um, to us, it just makes common sense to do so. Yeah, as you mentioned, you've been in this space for 17 years now. So what role do you see for Isaiah in shaping the future of influencer marketing and the creator economy uh, globally? We've been so fortunate, Rowan. Uh, my boss is credited with being the first person to pay social media influencers to work with brands back in 2005. It was on a state-of-the-art platform that I'm sure that you're on today is still called MySpace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we really made it our business to not just be a flash-in-the-pan or a fly-by-night organization that's out to make only a quick buck. We've really had our sights set on What's going to happen down the road and how can we uh, not only be a part of that, but uh, inform where the industry might be going? So we do that in a variety of ways. We spend 
a lot of time trying to just be great students of the space by uh, you know, sponsoring and investing in various forms of third-party research to understand truly what marketers and creators alike are thinking and doing and wanting to do that they may currently not be. We uh, have the opportunity to spend a, a lot of time uh, on trips just like this one that I'm on this week, where when you're face-to-face with people and, and build those relationships and then talk about things at a true multinational or global scale, the credibility that comes along with that experience and that worldview uh, tends to be quite valuable uh, in the eyes of, of marketers and creators. It's something that we're able to provide uh, very distinctly. And then lastly, I, I, I like to say frequently that Isaiah is best known for uh, extremely responsible imagination, <laughs> which is to say, okay. slight know, oxymoron, but yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I, I think it's 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 uh, you know to say it a different way, it's that having um, a vision for where the industry can go uh, and, and what the boundaries may be uh, for potential, uh, but rooting that in now having done nearly four million of these transactions in our time mm. and learning so much. It's the applied knowledge of taking this very quantitative worldview that we benefit from and marrying it with that imagination, that vision to provide the, the more subjective part, the, 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 the qualification part of where the industry might go. And uh, it's something that we take not only very seriously, but we, we hang our hat on given the, the, the sheer amount of success that we've enjoyed in these 17 years. MySpace is long gone. Social media, however, is here to stay. And something else that's firmly on the horizon and coming fast in various iterations is AI. So if I can open the door slightly on that, how is AI affecting the world of influencer marketing and the space in which Isaiah operates? On a practical basis, um, I feel like the conversation every day this year has, has had some flavor of of AI mm. uh, around it, Rowan, and, that, and that's that's to be expected. Uh, there are going to be notable impacts to all of our lives, not just in the creator economy, but um, every single one of us in every capacity as a result of these innovations. But you know, when you think about the actual uh, ramifications, both positive and negative, to the creator economy today, uh, I, I think there's far more good than bad. Uh, often I'll hear in uh, conversations at industry conferences, oh, we're going to, so you mean to tell me that there's going to be AI generated influencers and consumers will prefer that stuff and a bunch of stuff yeah. that doesn't look real. And, and, yeah. I, and I think you can very quickly, uh, if you start spiraling, go into a dystopian hellscape mentality very quickly. <laughs> yeah. But how I see it is, is very different. You know, for creators today, um, we, we're using AI to provide tools to help make their creation process uh, mm. easier on them. Yep. We call it form AI. And it, it allows them, whether it's photos, videos, written word, really, really straightforward ways to uh, save time and ultimately save money in the, in the collaboration process for brands. But when I think about what it means moreover in sort of a three to five year time horizon is that I do believe generative sponsorship, which we define as being the convergence 
of influencer marketing and AI content-driven creation is not going to just be an evolution, but a true revolution in how brands and influencers collaborate. And they're going to do that by leveraging AI-based models to generate content that was probably, uh, if not definitely, previously impossible. And it may be that uh, you're going to have brands train AI models of their products. So instead of physical product sampling, especially in the um, consumer packaged goods space where currently marketers are shipping product all around the world to put them in creators' hands, um, it doesn't seem like a stretch of the imagination to think that trained AI models of those same products, uh, and they don't have to just be static images, they can be dynamic, uh, could be manipulated, changed, adjusted to fit uh, pretty much any scenario or narrative that you could possibly dream of. Um, I also think that there's a, a very real world for creators to create models of themselves. So these would be digital doubles that could simulate someone's voice, appearance, their own style of, of creation. And if you think about it, if you have these digital doubles used in tandem mm -hmm. with an AI model of a product, uh, you have a whole unique different type of content that is born as a result. And I guess it's conceivable too that it's not that far away that AI generated content will be indistinguishable from, you know, original UGC or creator, you know, influencer creator content. We've been publishing all of our experiments um, online for people to see. And uh, I, I, it is it is getting there. Um, I would say from a photorealism perspective, uh, I would guess in the next year, we will be like for like on mm. being able to get there. And wow. then video will be not that far behind. Something to think about there for sure. So with the consolidation of creator economy companies on the horizon, how do you anticipate your move with Huzu impacting the broader influencer marketing landscape? Well, it's going to have quite the impact, particularly here in, in APAC. Uh, Huzu represents what we're referring to as a principal company, Rowan, meaning that as we talk to other uh, companies in, in the region that uh, may wish to join this movement, uh, the Huzu brand will be the brand that we champion, Huzu and Huma, I should say, um, and we'll be tucking in businesses underneath that um, as things go to plan. And that's going to provide um, Australian marketers and ultimately other leading marketers in the APAC region uh, with uh, a singular choice of a best-in-class offering uh, to, to give those dollars towards, as opposed to having to work with the fragmented landscape today. Um, it's going to really help uh, bring efficiency and, and reduce the waste that's happening um, at present. And when you marry that with the fact that the expectation is that the landscape is going to increase another 30 to 40 percent from its current quarter billion dollar um, AUD to uh, new heights again in 2024 and beyond, uh, we, we feel it's the ideal time uh, to be able to execute this particular strategy and with the people that we have on board. Video in particular is increasingly important to marketers, isn't it? It's in, it, there are some figures I've seen that in a number of years' time, virtually all the training and education and promotion that we consume will be video. 
video is a huge part, uh, a particularly short form video is having a huge moment. And most people think of that uh, because of TikTok and, and no doubt uh, they played a major role in that movement and, and continue to play a major role. But it, it should also be acknowledged that uh, one of the fastest growing areas of social is that inside of YouTube shorts. And the advantage that of course YouTube has as being part of the, the broader uh, alphabet empire is that short and long form content alike would mm. live in, in that ecosystem, as well as the SEO benefits that come with YouTube being the de facto number three search engine in the world with TikTok right behind it as number four. So just before I let you go, one last question for any aspiring creators or influencers who might be listening, what advice would you give them in light of these industry developments and Isaiah's role in the creator economy? What's your mm -hmm. best tip? For, for uh, creators that wish to make this uh, a stream of income and potentially a full-time career, the number one thing to acknowledge is that it's not um, just an overnight success story for anyone that I know that actually has been financially successful. Hmm. They spent time, uh, sometimes for years, uh, developing an audience on unsponsored content that they were passionate about and were willing to put those spare cycles into it. I think too often uh, there are would-be creators who don't necessarily uh, want to be creating content or interacting with people. They just wish to make money. <laughs> and that sounds yeah. that sounds great on the surface, but yeah. actually is, is not the way that this industry works. Yeah, it's certainly not the starting point, is it? No, it isn't, un unfortunately. And and I, I think along the way also, uh, they, they wish to mimic uh, those personalities that they've seen as being successful, mm. which is actually the antithesis of what unlocks future success, being true to yourself yeah. And letting your own personality come through and your own passion come through needs to go hand in hand with any potential success they might find. Yeah. Authenticity, word of the day. Very much so. We're all unique and there's lots of voices out there that are still not heard. And if you and if it's approached the right way, there is tremendous opportunity uh, that comes alongside. Well, congratulations on the acquisition of Huzu. Thanks for joining us down here in Australia. And Ryan Schramm from Isaiah, thanks for joining me on the Silver Bullet today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.